0: Are you searching for a meaningful way to further your career in international development? As you set new goals for 2021 and beyond, consider Seton Hall University's Executive Graduate Program in International Affairs. Attending a webinar is the perfect way to learn how you can customize your studies by specializing your research in areas such as global health security, conflict management, and more. As a graduate candidate, you would receive access to one-on-one faculty mentorship, career workshops, international seminars, and discussions with global leaders on campus at the UN headquarters in New York and in Washington, D.C. And the program is flexible. You can study full-time or part-time and online or on campus in New Jersey, just 14 miles from New York City. To learn more or sign up for a webinar, click the link in our episode description. Hi, I'm Casey Candela. And I'm Stephanie Filion. And welcome to Unscripted. Today, we look at how women have won top roles in Estonia's government by talking to the recently appointed foreign minister, Eva-Maria Limits, and Estonia's ambassador to the UN, Sven Jorgensen. He will be leading the Security Council in June as the monthly rotating president.
1: This is Unscripted a podcast taking you inside the United Nations and beyond the scripted debates to the people at the heart of it all, the diplomats and the reporters covering them.
0: On January 26th, 2021, Eva-Maria Limitz took over Estonia's top foreign affairs role as foreign minister, becoming one of quite a few top women in Estonia's government. Estonia
1: is now the only country in the world that's not a monarchy and is led by both a woman president, Kirsty Kalulide and a woman prime minister, Kaja Kalas. The country also has the most gender-equal cabinet in its history, close to parity. Besides foreign affairs, Estonian women currently lead ministries such as
2: Justice and Finance. Uh, There might be different factors for this current outcome. Uh, One of them is uh, definitely that we have uh, chosen the right social policies.
0: Eva-Maria Limitz talked to us in May
2: on Zoom about Estonia's women-led government. Another one uh, that we have, our Scandinavian neighbors who uh, have the same attitude over the very long period of time. Also, for example, Finnish prime minister is a female and they have many women in their government. I think that this influence uh, has been also um, seen here in Estonia. And I think also it shows a maturity of the society and... It is very logical that men and women are equal in the societies and the more we see both gender participating in societies, the the richer also and the more stable the societies are.
1: Limets also thinks Estonia's independence from the Soviet Union in 1991 helped women take on a larger
2: role in Estonian society. I was among the first students in Estonia who got so-called Western education, so that we already understood that men and women are equal. We had a lot of uh, American professors at our university in the early 90s, and I think that it helped me to grow without having the stereotypes that men or women are not exactly equal in in, uh, building up their careers. In Estonia, of course, we face the challenges, for example, with regard to gender gap in salaries, we have it in Estonia. Also, when we talk about violence against women, then of course, this is a topic where we still have to work also in Estonia. So there are areas where we have to pay additional attention to help uh, women in different areas.
0: Estonia's ambassador to the UN, Sven Jorgensen, takes a pragmatic approach to women's political participation in Estonia. He spoke with us from his posting in New York City.
3: I think in some way this is a normal process that you see happening also in the Nordic countries and this is the cultural sphere where we are. And I'm I'm very glad that we are moving actually quite fast closer to the to the Nordic countries. But then of course there are also sometimes, you know, there there is a general trend and there are also accidental developments. And, and I think the outcome of politics usually is a combination of, of two of them. And then of course there is sometimes there is also a pendulum effect, you know, that you, you have to figure in. But I think all these developments brought us to where we are and, and like I said, the results are absolutely magnificent and I'm, I'm really, really happy.
1: We'll be right back.
0: Diplomatic Immunity is a podcast from the Institute for the Study of Diplomacy at Georgetown University in Washington, D.C. The Institute aims to understand the work of diplomats around the world by talking with U.S. ambassadors, former deputy secretaries of state, disinformation experts, Middle East scholars, and more. They tackle topics in diplomatic history, explore emerging diplomatic challenges, and connect academics and policymakers in search of solutions to the issues facing diplomats and national security decision makers today. Check out their six part miniseries on diplomacy and the 10th anniversary of the Arab Spring. The show features intergenerational conversations between U.S. diplomats, activists, scholars, and thinkers from across the Arab world. Follow them on Twitter at GU Diplomacy, and find Diplomatic Immunity wherever you listen to podcasts. Now, back to the show.
1: And Eva Maria Limits has some UN connection. She was posted in New York at the consulate throughout her career as a diplomat. And she is a former director of the International Organization Branch of Estonia's Foreign Ministry. So becoming minister during Estonia's last year of two as an elected Security Council member was undoubtedly a plus for her.
2: I think uh, for Estonia, of course, regional security is of importance. And and, uh, we have brought some areas which are very important for our regional security also to the uh, United Nations Security Council. We have had a few open debates in an area format. For example, uh, recently, we had an open debate on occupied area of Ukraine. And another topic which was very popular among other UN member states was uh, our open debate on media freedom in Belarus. So we have brought this kind of regional topics to the United Nations Security Council and also have given opportunity for people of these countries to come up to the council and then share their concerns with regard to security or human rights situation in their countries.
0: But by bringing sensitive topics such as Crimea and Belarus into the council, Estonia did not please Russia, a permanent member. So we asked the foreign minister how Estonia's term and positions on the council have impacted its relationship with Russia. Estonia shares its eastern border with Russia.
2: With uh, Russia, Estonia is a neighboring country and therefore we are interested in neighborly good and uh, constructive relations because these kind of relations would be in our best interest and we should discuss different topics even if we disagree in some of the topics. However, yes, we are most concerned about the current situation of human rights in Russia and also on the aggressive behavior towards its neighbors, as we have seen in Ukraine and in Georgia, where parts of their territories have been occupied. Estonia, we consider international law crucial and we are following very closely how it is upheld. Therefore. We also disagree with, with the Russian Federation on, 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 on these areas related to the topics I just mentioned. These different views or disagreement we of course uh, see also at the United Nations Security Council debates. From our perspective, uh, it is very important that conflict parties come together and find a way forward uh, peacefully. So this is the goal towards we work bilaterally, but also in the international organizations.
1: June is going to be Estonia's last chance to shine on the Security Council as president. As Ambassador Jorgensen says, May and June tend to be very busy months for the UN body. Still, Estonia tried to squeeze some of its priorities into the agenda, one of them a first, for the council.
3: May and June are the busiest months in the security council in terms of regular meetings. And unfortunately, both Estonian presidencies actually are in the busiest months because last year it was in May and this year in June, I'm so glad that we still managed to squeeze in a lot of issues of importance also to us. And we will have three high level meetings. Two are special meetings, Uh, one is Children and Armed Conflict, where we will discuss the Secretary General's report also, and that will be chaired by our President on the 28th of June, and then the next day, 29th of June, debate on cybersecurity, and that will be chaired by the Prime Minister. And we are extremely proud that we managed, actually, to fill one of our priorities when we entered the Council, is that... Estonia is one of the leaders in the world in both digital development, but also this brings along the weaknesses sometimes in in the system. And that means that we also need to emphasize strongly cybersecurity.
0: June will therefore be the first time in UN history that the topic of cybersecurity will be discussed on the council as part of the official agenda. During Estonia's presidency last year, the topic was featured in an ARIA-style meeting that is more informal. And Estonia is thrilled that other council members are on board to debate cybersecurity. No country has shown any hard resistance to it yet. Here's Ambassador Jurgensen on this. And by the way, he uses the acronym AOB. That stands for any other business on the council, usually private discussions.
3: I would not say that we met resistance. Uh, we met questions. There were some member states had some questions but at no point did we feel any animosity or anybody really being against it. And I think one of the things that changed it was that we were slowly sort of building up the momentum. We had several ARIA meetings and we even had an AOB and that was also the first time that Security Council discussed a matter of a concrete cyber attack with attribution. And that was also last spring. But this was slowly building up it towards this meeting in June during our presidency. And I think this has been very successful. And the questions also, you know, they were primarily about who would be the briefers. Then there are two parallel processes also at the United Nations. And one of them is the open-ended work- working group. And the other one is a group of governmental experts. And there is some tension between these two tracks. And I think what helped us also was that... We took an aim of not bringing the first committee issues to the Security Council and not replicating this tension between Open Ended Working Group and and GGE, but rather to have a more broad discussion on cybersecurity, raising awareness and and sort of preparation, also affirming that international law applies in cyberspace and so on. So this approach, I think, has worked really well.
1: Limetz also thinks the COVID-19 pandemic helped build momentum for the Council to take the topic of cybersecurity and its impact on peace and security more seriously.
2: Because Estonian government, Estonian public sector relies a lot on digital services. We started about 25 years ago when Estonia first implemented the so-called Tigerly program, which meant that we included all the schools to the internet so that children and youth could start to learn Internet. Uh, At that time, of course, our goal was to uh, be more open to the world, learn about the world, because it was early uh, 90s. And then we thought that Internet helps us to communicate better with uh, with other countries. But it paved the way for our digitalization. And as we have uh, at the moment, 99% of uh, government services are provided digitally. It means also that we need cybersecurity so that uh, due to cyber threats, we would not lose our uh, services or uh, we would not have any interruptions. Therefore, we pay a lot of attention to the field of cybersecurity. Of course, Internet freedom is another important topic related to this. And from our perspective, uh, United Nations Security Council has done a good job related to this security area. And we are very glad that during our presidency, we can have, yes, this formal meeting, because we believe that this topic needs global approach and a global perspective, because especially now during the COVID-19 crisis, we saw that more and more countries started to use digital services and therefore it is more reasons for having this global debate on this issue.
0: Also on Estonia's agenda? children in armed conflict, as well as Afghanistan. Estonia is a penholder on Afghanistan. That means it is in a leading role in negotiations in the council. Estonia is trying to build momentum for new talks and raise awareness on the complicated situation in the country, especially as the United States withdraws its troops.
1: We'll be right back.
0: Are you looking for a talk show featuring leading global voices? Do you want to learn more about how international issues directly affect people locally? Global Connections Television presents the insights of global influencers at no cost to viewers and programmers. GCTV is independently produced and reaches more than 70 million potential viewers worldwide each week. The show covers everything from human rights to climate change, from peace and security to empowering women and girls. It features guests such as Dr. Jane Goodall, former UN High Commissioner for Human Rights Mary Robinson, and Peter Yarrow of Peter, Paul, and Mary. The show also hosts expert voices from the private sector, academia, and labor and environmental movements. GCTV is available to public television media outlets, universities, and service clubs for distribution. To watch the show or find out more, click the link in our episode description. Now, back to the show.
1: One topic that is not officially on Estonia's agenda, but among Estonia's priorities, is helping to give UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres a second term. In the nomination process, the Security Council is responsible for recommending a candidate to the General Assembly, which then votes on the nomination. Since Guterres is still the only recognized candidate, Estonia is hoping to expedite his candidacy during its presidency.
3: It's not that it is important for us to do it, but it will be very nice for us to do it, and me personally as well, because You know, during the last elections five years ago, then Estonia, together with Costa Rica, had a lead in the same act group on the selection process of Secretary General. And the purpose of the selection process that we introduced was to have the first time in history to have a democratic, transparent process with official candidates and so on. Because so far, it had been a kind of untransparent process happening in the back rooms of the Security Council. Nobody saw what was happening and with colored straws and, and so on. And there were not even official candidates, you know. Suddenly somebody brings up and so on. And I remember when it started, then we didn't even believe ourselves that we will make a big difference for the outcome. We, we thought that at least the process will be transparent and democratic. But I remember when we had this town hall meeting in the General Assembly, where all the candidates were in front of the whole UN membership. And I was sitting there and thinking that, damn it, we are making also a difference in the outcome. Because I think after this, there was no possibility also for Security Council and some of the big members actually to how would I put it, play any games or or have their own policy, because it was so visible. And so therefore it would be rewarding to me also to see that the next selection will also happen during my watch and when I'm in the council.
0: While Estonia and most of the UN membership seem ready to give Guterres, the incumbent, a second five-year term, there are at least six people who are quite unhappy with the process. These are the non-officially recognized applicants for the job. Among them are former Ecuadorian president Rosalia Artiaga and Aurora Akansha, a UN staffer who has taken a leave of absence as she campaigns. So we asked Ambassador Jurgensen if there has been a backsliding of the gains in transparency in the secretary general selection process made in 2016.
3: I don't think that we are moving back. I, th- I think the process, if you look at what happened this year, actually it was exactly the same process, but it was just with one candidate. There were There were not more candidates. And so therefore, I'm really glad that secretary general made himself available to this process. You know, he presented his vision statement and and he presented himself to the member states. He did the same with the security council. So we had exactly the same open process, transparent process, just with the exception that there were not several candidates and there was only one candidate. But I'm, I'm glad that the process itself has fixed itself already and it's there and I'm sure that next time when there will be most probably again more candidates it will also be followed because i think with the two times now it has proven itself already to be a good process
0: that's it for our show this episode was co-produced by me casey candela and stephanie filion for Passblue, blue an independent women-led media site covering the united nations and global affairs Dulcie leimbach is our editor Ivana Ramirez is our intern, AI Digital created our podcast logo, and our music is by Poddington Bear. A lot happens at the UN beyond
1: what we report in each episode of Unscripted, and PassBlue is covering the important news, from women's rights to human rights to Washington's new approach to the UN. For day-to-day coverage, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And to subscribe to our newsletter, go to
0: PassBlue.com. PassBlue's in-depth and exclusive stories and this podcast are possible with the support of the Carnegie Corporation of New York, the New School, and listeners like you. To show your support, visit PassBlue's website and click Donate.
1: Unscripted is available wherever you find podcasts. If you like today's show... Please rate us on iTunes and share with all your friends.